Once upon a time, Vasudev, the son of Surusena, just after marrying Devaki, was going home on his chariot with his newly wedded wife. The father of Devaki, known as Devaka, had contributed a sufficient dowry because he was very affectionate toward his daughter. He had contributed hundreds of chariots, completely decorated with gold equipment. At that time, Kamsa, the son of Ugrasena, in order to please his sister Devaki, had voluntarily taken the reins of the horses of Vasudev's chariot and was driving. According to the custom of Vedic civilization, when a girl is married, the brother takes the sister and brother-in-law to their home. Because the newly married girl may feel too much separation from her father's family, the brother goes with her until she reaches her father-in-law's house. The full dowry, contributed by Devaka, was as follows. 400 elephants, fully decorated with golden garlands. 15,000 decorated horses and 1,800 chariots. He also arranged for 200 beautiful girls to follow his daughter. The Kshatriya system of marriage, still current in India, dictates that when a Kshatriya is married, a few dozen of the bride's young girlfriends, in addition to the bride, go to the house of the king. The followers of the queen are called maidservants, but actually they act as friends of the queen. This practice is prevalent from time immemorial, traceable at least to the time before the advent of Lord Krishna, 5,000 years ago. So Vasudev brought home another 200 beautiful girls, along with his wife. While the bride and bridegroom were passing along in the chariot, there were different kinds of musical instruments playing, to indicate the auspicious moment. There were conch shells, bugles, drums and kettle drums. Combined together, they were vibrating a nice concert. The procession was passing along very pleasingly, and Kamsa was driving the chariot, when suddenly there was a miraculous sound vibrated from the sky, which especially announced to Kamsa, Kamsa, you are such a fool! You are driving the chariot of your sister and your brother-in-law, but you do not know that the eighth child of this sister will kill you. Kamsa was the son of Ugrasena, of the Boja dynasty. It is said that Kamsa was the most demoniac of all the Boja dynasty kings. Immediately after hearing the prophecy from the sky, he caught hold of Devaki's hair and was just about to kill her with his sword. Vasudev was astonished at Kamsa's behavior, and in order to pacify the cruel, shameless brother-in-law, he began to speak as follows, with great reason and evidence. He said, My dear brother-in-law Kamsa, you are the most famous king in the Boja dynasty, and people know that you are the greatest warrior and a valiant king. How is it that you are so infuriated that you are prepared to kill a woman who is your own sister? at this auspicious time of her marriage. Why should you be so afraid of death? Death is already born, along with your birth. From the very day you took birth, you began to die. Suppose you are 25 years old. That means you've already died 25 years. Every moment, every second you are dying. Why should you be so afraid of death? Final death is inevitable. You may die either today or in a hundred years. You cannot avoid death. Why should you be so much afraid? 
Actually, death means the annihilation of the present body. As soon as the present body stops functioning and mixes with the five elements of material nature, the living entity within the body accepts another body according to his present action and reaction. It is just as when a man walks on the street, he puts forward his foot, and when he is confident that his foot is situated on sound ground, he lifts the other foot. In this same way, one after another, the body changes, and the soul transmigrates. See how the plant worms change from one twig to another so carefully. Similarly, the living entity changes his body as soon as the higher authorities decide on his next body. As long as the living entity is conditioned within this material world, he must take material bodies one after another. His next particular body is offered by the laws of nature according to the actions and reactions of this life. The body is exactly like one of the bodies which we always see in dreams. During our dream of sleep, we create so many bodies according to the mental creation. We have seen gold, and we have seen a mountain. So in a dream, we can see a golden mountain by combining these two ideas. Sometimes in dreams, we see that we have a body which is flying in the sky, and at the time we completely forget our present body. Similarly, these bodies are changing. When you have one body, you forget the past body. During a dream, we may make contact with so many new kinds of bodies, but when we are awake, we forget them. And actually, these material bodies are the creations of our mental activities. But at present, we do not recollect our past bodies. The nature of the mind is flickering. Sometimes it accepts something, and immediately it rejects the same thing. Accepting and rejecting are the processes of the mind in contact with the five objects of sense gratification, form, taste, smell, sound, and touch. In its speculative way, the mind comes in touch with objects of sense gratification, and when the living entity desires a particular type of body, he gets it. Therefore, the body is an offering by the laws of material nature. The living entity accepts a body and comes out again into the material world to enjoy or suffer according to the construction of the body. Unless we have a particular type of body, we cannot enjoy or suffer according to our mental proclivities inherited from the previous life. The particular type of body is actually offered according to our mental condition at the time of death. The luminous planets like the sun, moon, or stars reflect themselves in different kinds of reservoirs, like water, oil, or ghee. The reflection moves according to the movement of the reservoir. The reflection of the moon is on the water, and the moving water makes the moon also appear to be moving, but actually the moon is not moving. Similarly, by mental concoction, the living entity attains different kinds of bodies, although he actually has no connection with such bodies. But on account of illusion, being enchanted by the influence of maya, the living entity thinks that he belongs to a particular type of body. That is the way of conditioned life. Suppose a living entity is now in the human form of body. He thinks that he belongs to a human community, or a particular country, or a particular place. He identifies himself in that way, 
and unnecessarily prepares for another body, which is not required by him. Such desires and mental concoctions are the cause of different types of body. The covering influence of material nature is so strong that the living entity is satisfied in whatever body he gets, and he identifies with that body with great pleasure. Therefore, I beg to request you not to be overwhelmed by the dictation of your mind and body. Vasudev thus requested Kamsa not to be envious of his newly married sister. One should not be envious of anyone, because envy is the cause of fear, both in this world and in the next, when one is before Yamaraj, the lord of punishment after death. Vasudev appealed to Kamsa on behalf of Devaki, stating that she was his younger sister. He also appealed at an auspicious moment, at the time of marriage. A younger sister or brother is supposed to be protected as one's children. The position is overall very delicate, Vasudev reasoned, that if you kill her, it will go against your high reputation. Vasudev tried to pacify Kamsa by good instructions, as well as by philosophical discrimination. But Kamsa was not to be pacified because his association was demoniac. Because of his demoniac associations, he was always a demon, although he was born in a very high royal family. A demon never cares for any good instruction. He is just like a determined thief. One can give him moral instructions, but it will not be effective. Similarly, those who are demoniac or atheistic by nature can hardly assimilate any good instruction, however authorized it may be. That is the difference between a demon and a demigod. Those who can accept good instruction and try to live their lives in that way are called demigods, and those who are unable to take such good instruction are called demons. Failing in his attempt to pacify Kamsa, Vasudev wondered how he could protect his wife, Devaki. When there is imminent danger, an intelligent person should try to avoid the dangerous position as far as possible. But if, in spite of endeavoring by all intelligence, one fails to avoid the dangerous position, there is no fault on his part. One should try his best to execute his duties, but if the attempt fails, he is not at fault. Vasudev thought of his wife as follows. Hmm... For the present, let me save the life of Devaki. Then later on, if there are children, I shall see how to save them. If in the future I get a child who can kill Kamsa, just as Kamsa is thinking, then both Devaki and the child will be saved, because the law of providence is inconceivable. But now, some way or other, let me save the life of Devaki. There is no certainty how a living entity contacts a certain type of body, just as there is no certainty how the blazing fire comes in contact with certain types of wood in the forest. When there's a forest fire, it is experienced that the blazing fire sometimes leaps over one tree and catches another by the influence of the wind. Similarly, a living entity may be very careful and fearful in the matter of executing his duties, but it is still very difficult for him to know what type of body he is going to get in the next life. Maharaj Bharat was very faithfully executing the duties of self-realization, but by chance he contacted temporary affection for a deer 
and he had to accept the next life in the body of a deer. Vasudev, after deliberating on how to save his wife, began to speak to Kamsa with great respect, although Kamsa was the most sinful man. Sometimes it happens that a most virtuous person like Vasudev has to flatter a person like Kamsa, a most vicious person. That is the way of diplomatic transactions. Although Vasudev was deeply aggrieved, he presented himself outwardly as cheerful. He addressed the shameless Kamsa in that way because he was so atrocious. Vasudev said to Kamsa, My dear brother-in-law, please consider that you have no danger from your sister. You are awaiting some danger because you've heard a prophetic voice in the sky. But the danger is to come from the sons of your sister, who are not present now, and who knows? There may or may not be sons in the future. Considering all this, you are safe for the present, nor is there cause of fear from your sister. If there are any sons born of her, I promise that I shall present all of them to you for necessary action. Kamsa knew the value of Vasudev's word of honor, and he was convinced by this argument. For the time being, he desisted from the heinous killing of his sister. Thus, Vasudev was pleased and praised the decision of Kamsa. In this way, he returned to his home.